you're listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Brought to you in association with OvertimeIreland.com. Now, here's the OTI guys. Hello and welcome back to the OTI Podcast. My name is Colin Kelly. As always, joined on the podcast by my co-host here is Doug Moore. And uh, this week, uh, for both probably for different reasons, we're uh, battling on true. I don't know if it's if anyone can hear it in my voice but i definitely can feel it in my throat uh, battling a bit of a, a cold and a flu this week uh, went to a wedding a friend's wedding on saturday and uh, didn't come home to uh, 5 45 a.m and i think that probably is a huge part to why i feel uh, pretty much like a zombie all week long and uh, i've had this cold and flu but doug has had a busy week at work and <laughs> doug i think you're pretty much in the same boat uh yeah just just battling through and um you know but you know this is this is something that we get to enjoy doing. For the and, love of the podcast, or for the love of uh, OTI, we um, we you know, risk we, our we lives. We want to make sure that we're still providing great content, which <laughs> you know it's always the number one goal. So yeah, and when we're when we're both feeling like zombies, uh, we'll, we'll we'll we settle today for good rather than great. <laughs> um, I, I you know we'll, I'm going to give it my A game, and, and hopefully my A game is good enough. Yeah, and this week as well, it should be it should be great because we're going to be joined by Curtis Patrick. Uh, he was meant to be the guest last week, uh, and unfortunately his computer uh, didn't work for him, and he's since bought a new computer. Last week we obviously were joined by George Kurikos, uh, and uh, thanks to him once again for jumping on the podcast. But this week it will be Curtis Patrick, and he'll be getting on the show in, with us in just a couple of moments. Obviously starting the show, I'd like to give a plug to uh, all the ways you can listen to the podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn. All, pretty much anywhere uh, podcasts can be found and they can all be found on the OvertimeIreland.com website. You can also stream the podcast there if you do wish to do so. Um, I do urge you to go there and uh, obviously subscribe, leave us a comment and a rating. It really helps us all here at OTI. Uh, the other thing to plug is uh, the promo that we have with NFL Shop Europe. You can buy all NFL related merchandise, official merchandise on there. Uh, great range up there at the moment. Go on and check it. It's just uh, europe.nflshop.com. And if you use the code OTI10 at checkout, that is OTI10, you will save 10% off your entire order. So uh, head on over there to europe.nflshop.com and uh, put in the code OTI10. No space there, just OTI. And then the number 10, get 10% off your entire order. Uh, and uh, of course, make sure you are subscribed to the podcast. So. Uh, unless uh, Doug has anything to add or to plug at the start of the show, uh, have you, Doug? Are you going to surprise me? <laughs> uh, no, not not right now. No, but um, <laughs> I, I will plug that we have a great guest coming on in uh, in Curtis. So, and uh, with that, there, let's get Curtis on the show. Booyah! Hi, I'm Matt Williamson, and you are listening to the Overtime Ireland podcast. So I'm delighted to be joined on the show now by Curtis Patrick. Uh, a lot of you will know him from the great work that he done with DLF, now part of the team at Pro Football Focus as well. So uh, we mentioned it on last week's show, Curtis, uh, we were meant to do this last week, but unfortunately we had some computer issues, but all things are good to go now, and uh, your new computer seems to be working uh, absolutely fantastically. Yeah, it was one of those things where we was, it was time to bury the old laptop in the backyard, so... Um, <laughs> proud new owner of a of a new mac machine and um i i was just joking with you before the show it really feels like learning a new language i i feel pretty uh clunky on this thing but um i think i'll grow to like it in time 
Yeah, I think in no time at all you'll be uh, operating it very smoothly. It's like um, sometimes when you get a new uh, cell phone and you're you know trying to figure out how to work things, it, it just feels you get so used to your other devices and uh, it just takes you. But after another a week or so, it's uh, all smooth sailing. But obviously, um, you're known now pretty much uh, and throughout the Dynasty co- uh, community on Twitter with your Twitter handle at uh, Dynasty Command and. Uh, you know, lots of great work you've been putting out. I'm going to start off with uh, a question that came in, and it's kind of regarding uh, fantasy strategy, particularly in Dynasty uh, at this time of the year. Uh, you know, late June, uh, kind of you get to the stage pre-NFL draft where the season ends, people are starting to look at getting draft picks, you know, trying to acquire to get, maybe if you're rebuilding to, to get as many of those draft picks as you can to get the youth into your side, trade away those older players if you think that you're not going to do anything this upcoming season. But then you get into the stage after the draft where the actual dynasty drafts take place and you know after that situation which we're kind of now it tends to i find uh, when in dynasty football have a bit of a lull where there's not a huge amount happening and then you know you get to training camp and people start to pick up a huge amount of interest again this this point of the year what is your strategy are you still trying to make as many moves as you can are you waiting for a camp to see what the next stage is or, or what's uh, what's usually your strategy this time of the year yeah, that, that's a great topic, Com. Um, really, stop. Um, I think each league has its own. It really has its own personality, and even within each league, there seem to be different subgroups of owners that um, may be more active at certain times of year. But I think uh, right now, um, just just coming off of some of the OTAs, it, it's it's a good time to um, sell players um, and buy players on kind of false information there's a lot of updates that that come out um, during these activities especially with the with the rookies and people start to build you know these grandiose ideas of of roles that uh, the players are going to have that all of a sudden because they're having you know great off-season workout um, just in individual drills wearing a t-shirt and shorts that um, you know things are totally going to change I've seen you know for instance there's been a lot of buzz about Devontae Parker you know um, practicing harder this year, you know. I mean, what does that really mean in May or June? So, that, that's a perfect example of something that you can use um, to maybe leverage a, a player into a deal. So, you know, I, I've made uh, I've made uh, several offers even today um, in various leagues, and I, I just don't think that you can shut it off. If, you, if you're a competitive player, um, you, you've always got to be looking to use any bit of information to gain an edge. Yeah, I always find as well at this time of the year, even if you think. I'm going to leave it a week and try and just set it out. I think sometimes you just get that itch to try and look around a couple of teams and see if you can make any moves. And, uh, you know, if you're in multiple leagues like uh, I am, like you are, there's always going to be a stage where certain teams are in certain, you know, you, you need certain pieces for certain teams to make them have a chance to, to progress this year or maybe even looking a year or two down the line and moving on those players. So you always have teams at different stages, and that I think uh, gives different. Uh, types of activity and you mentioned as well there are different owners and that is definitely true there's some owners and some leagues who constantly will send out offers try and keep uh, negotiations going sometimes at this time of the year you'll get an, an offer maybe comes in and you say well I'm not interested uh, in really moving that player for that price but is there anyone else on my roster you're interested in and sometimes just keeping those uh, I think the most important thing at this time of the year is just keeping those lines in a, of talk open so then later in the year they, you can have an idea of what that guy thinks of certain players and so on and so forth to, to further move things down the line. Doug, is there anything that you would add to any uh, strategy at this time of year? Uh, obviously, all teams are different, but uh, anything else that you think would be a, a unique piece to add to that? Yeah, I think, you know, the biggest thing is that, and, and like 
Curtis said, there's a lot of, you know, false narratives, a lot of, you know, fluff or, or, or things, you know, otherwise this time of year with just it being such a down period that you have to, to, to worry, uh, not actually the opposite. Make sure you don't worry about that type of stuff. I think the magnitude of it is going to be more important as we hit towards the preseason and stuff like that. And, and people, you know, with it being down season, will try and make news out of anything. And, you know, as we get closer to the football season, that sort of stuff is going to be irrelevant compared to what actually is going on. So um, for me, I I've had my guys and, and I know you can attest to that calm in, in our league together, but there, there are those guys in, in, right now this offseason I'm trying to target um, and I think that's always an idea is you know look at look at some guys who are some low risk guys as well who could have a lot of upside but maybe not people are torn on and there are definitely a couple that I've, I've done that for you know go after those guys especially during the offseason because it's gonna be a lot harder to get someone I think during the you know the the season when you know week to week everything changes in regards to some people's uh, fantasy uh, value. So I, I would say, you know, definitely have an idea of who you want to go after, um, but also just, you know, take each piece of news, you know, with a grain of salt and, and take it, you know, not for what it is, but but just take it in stride as opposed to trying to use that to leverage everything else. Yeah, I definitely can see that in certain uh, leagues that I'm in that, you know, a player has a couple of good days, uh, you know, reported in camp and then you maybe inquire about that player and his value has suddenly gone to a future first round pick. So uh, I think you just have to try and have that filter to try and pick what you think is true and uh, then kind of pass on what isn't true. When you were talking, Curtis, I was kind of thinking back to players last year of that situation who their hype kind of got out of hand through uh, maybe early off-season reports and so on. And I remember back to Tajay Sharp with the Titans and Although he did start okay week one and week two last season, people kind of thought that he had a, had a really big chance to make a big impact as a rookie, and that just didn't happen. So um, I guess uh, we'll just try and see what happens and always try and have your uh, filter on, I guess, to, to keep that coach speak and some of that reporter speak uh, out of your out of your mindset. Uh, the next thing, Curtis, was uh, maybe this one might be a bit harder to answer, but uh, one piece of uh, news from OTAs that really stood out to you maybe i guess what we were talking maybe either in a positive or a negative way that you thought was too overstated or maybe you thought that yeah there's really something to this and you've uh, dug deeper into it well I, I think the the ota news that i i try to avoid is just the praise um from yeah. from various position coaches and that that's what i try to steer away from i think something that was meaningful uh in terms of ota news recently was um, that Jeremy Macklin had revealed um, that he did play the majority of last year on a groin tear. And I, I think it changes the light in which maybe we view his prospects moving forward in, in Baltimore. I, um, I personally was scratching my head a little bit um, when he was cut by the Chiefs, and they were saying that it was you know purely a, a budgetary move, that they weren't going to be able to sign all of, all of their rookies. It, whether or not that was true, they could have cut um, any number of players to create the cap space. And so initially I was questioning maybe, you know, well, why did they pick Macklin? You know, maybe he really did fall off. So, you know, and, and again, the timing, the timing of releasing um, that injury news is, is always curious when you're starting with a new team, maybe tr- trying to build up some good graces with the GM that just brought him in. But I, I think it at least leaves us wondering, you know, what if, what if Macklin can get back to the form that he was in, in 2015 when, 
you know, I think he was like wide receiver 13 or 14 overall. You know, what would that look like at this age in uh, in the Ravens offense with all the uh, targets that are available there? So that that was a meaningful piece of news. Anything stand out to you guys? I'll let Doug go first. Um, well, that's, a, that's a really good point. I, I mean, you know, when it comes to – yeah, because this, this time of year you're going to hear – so many different coaches or so many different players say that they're in the great the greatest shape of their life or they really slimmed down or they really bulked up and and, and you can hear all that and you know and and, and take that for a grain of salt because like you said especially getting praised from from um you know position coaches this time of year it's it's easy to to praise somebody i, I you know what is it the the t-shirt and shorts superstars is that what they call them where you know everybody looks good now but you know what what happens when it comes to um you know when it comes to you know yeah i i mean you know when you when you look at it you know it's you're gonna see that for everybody and then everybody's gonna use it however they want to um you know for me you know i i and and I'll, i'll agree with you curtis i can't think of anything off the top of my head that would, I guess, really change how I viewed somebody last season uh, more than what happened with Jeremy Macklin, just because, like you said, he you know he struggled last season, but then he was pretty darn good in his first season with with Kansas City, and then the news being surprising, and you know, and it really it puts it in perspective, you know, what if he was healthy, what would he have done? Um, or how would he have produced differently? So I, I don't know if I – and you're going to hear every player here that, oh, I fought through this and I fought through that. But, uh, you know, for, for someone to, to, to deal with something like what, what Macklin was dealing with, um, it, it, it shines a light on the perspective of why someone may have had a, a rough season. So uh, you, you got me beat in regards to anything more enlightening. Um, but, you, you know, it, again, it's just – you got to keep your you got to you know, have the blinders on when it comes to just all the the fluff and the praise of of XYZ players because they look great they've learned the playbook like Jared Goff for example I guess I could mention how the playbook is more simplistic but the playbook wasn't the issue his play was the problem so <laughs> yeah that's a great point doc yeah yeah i think the other piece of interesting news and and I mean, this is a little bit more tongue in cheek but I think we might have seen a fantasy football funeral um, for one of the most uh, year in, year in, uh, year in, year out hyped players, you know, with Kristen Michael already going on IR, <laughs> like what, two, two days after he, and he arrived was, in he Indianapolis. Was Man, that, too. He was praised that, by Pagano for yeah, that, his workout. And all of he looks so time. great getting off the plane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and then yeah. You know, he takes a step and there goes his leg. Yeah, I think uh, I don't know. I, I I was never in on Christian Michael, but uh, <laughs> hopefully everyone else is out now with uh, him being. Oh, uh, I was. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we'll see him on IR. But uh, you know, it was. I find the biggest thing this offseason is trying to decipher the news. I think we've just kind of really talked about it a lot. But decipher the news that there's somebody who I was massive on last year, John Brown. Obviously, he had a lot of injuries. Uh, with his hamstrings, he had the sickle cell trait last year, lots of different issues, and then it came out this off-season that he uh, had the surgery to remove a cyst from his uh, spine, and he had 
hopefully the sickle cell straight, trait under control. But when you have things like surgeries to, you know, the, the cyst was supposedly draining a lot of en- uh, energy and he couldn't train properly and so on, things like that when you have actually a medical issue like that, I think sometimes you can put more faith into and see what happens. I, I think him possibly bouncing back this year, I kind of bought in a little bit to that. And the other one was, although he has moved on uh, to the Titans, was Eric Decker because... Uh, I'm, I'm a big Decker game prior to the end of last season uh, when he had those two surgeries the thoughts was that he was going to probably struggle to be back for week one and then while he was still with the Jets he was cleared uh, for full contact uh, on the field so I think uh, him coming back a little bit earlier you often hear of you know people are ahead of schedule and that gets built up and built up and I'm sure we'll hear throughout this offseason we've heard it you know I'm not even, I wasn't even going to talk about it in the podcast people like Cam Newton you know he's throwing he's throwing like three yard passes in the in the locker room and they're showing it on TV or you know they're, they're building it up and building it up and a lot of the time people are not ahead of schedule but they're saying they are but in this case Decker uh, seems to be well and truly a couple of months ahead of schedule so that was something that I took uh, just from kind of some of the off-season buzz that I heard about and you, you know we talked about the hype building up and the situation with the running backs down in San Francisco uh, you know with Joe Williams that really started to take off and now it seems to have quietened back down I would imagine by the time we roll into uh, minicamp uh, Carlos Hyde will be well and truly the starter there in San Francisco the next question and it was one that came in on Twitter card as well it was about uh, who would you rather have last week we talked uh, quite a bit about Jeremy Macklin and Eric Decker so I'll let you have the floor with this one but uh, in Dynasty you know obviously Macklin signed a two-year deal with the Ravens Decker signed a one-year deal with the Titans out of those two guys uh, which would you rather have uh, heading into this season and then beyond just on on those two um, I, I think I still prefer Eric Decker. I think he's going to have the, yeah. the better season this year. Um, and, and I don't know that either guy is somebody that I'm long on at this point. Um, a little bit about um, this same coin flip uh, a week or two ago. And I, when I answered the question for him, I basically said, well, I'd like to move either one of those guys for Kenny Britt plus a piece. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I just think there's, there's a lot of guys in this 29, 30-year-old category who probably don't have the same ceiling that that they've had in the past anymore um that are these are win now assets so yeah. I, i'm assuming that the you know the the reader um that that sent this question in the listener that sent the question in is you know maybe he has a, a trade offer for either one of these guys and you know i just think you're probably just looking at what can they do for me in, in 2017 we know has a ton of opportunity um they're in baltimore well over 200 targets available um, but the competition around him, you know, Wallace has been solid. Um, you know, but they're going to have to see what they have in Bashad Perriman at some point. And with the with the Titans, um, you know, I, I think Mariota has just been so intriguing in the red zone and the start to his career. I, I really shudder to think what defenses are going to do uh, when they have to choose between guarding <laughs> Decker and Delaney Walker and uh, and Corey Davis. I mean, that's going to be that's going to just be scary. So, I, you know, I'll, I'll take Decker, but it's not, you know, it's not by a wide margin here. I, I think either either one of these guys could return value at their current price. Yeah, I think with somebody like, with both of those guys, you know, you're looking at having them as your third option at wide receiver, hopefully, and the opportunity then for them to have those big weeks and add in the touchdowns. If Macklin is healthy, I think there's opportunity to build on what he did uh, two seasons ago with the Kansas City Chiefs. And then with Decker, again, you're hoping for that touchdown upside. But if those touchdowns tend to, you know, if they dried up, if he only finished with maybe four touchdowns on the year, it's going to be hard to hit that value. And you had you made a good point there. I think this is the point where sometimes you start to look at your dynasty roster as a redraft team when you are in that kind of win-now mode. Maybe your team's getting a little bit older. You start to try and look just maybe one year, maybe two years 
years of the max ahead trying to trying to get that championship moving on to the next uh, segment uh, it's looking at uh, JJ I know Scott Fish uh, is a huge uh, you know he's building them up he might be building most of the JJ hype at this stage but uh, I wonder what is it Dil can you have you figured out how to pronounce his name yet it's been uh, a season. Okay, that's good. It's been a season and a half in the making, but Doug's got there. But Curtis, uh, are you buying into the the hype for Ajay this season? Uh, I hate. I really hate um, buying the hype, but I I think I kind of am. Um, you know, Scott Barrett um, a couple weeks ago, two or three weeks ago. I don't know if you guys have had a chance to check out his new series um, for PIFF. That he started right after he went full-time called Metrics That Matter. Yeah, um, it's a piece that drops several times a week. Yeah, it's been really great. And one of the, and, um, a, you said it's a Jaye. i got to say a Jaye now. It's not a Jaye. Uh, that's going to be not, tough. It's, so it's Jay Jaye. It's definitely a Jaye. Um, <laughs> 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 we've, est- we've established that the Y is not a J. Yeah. So we've got that. Um, yeah. So... You know, it it's really convincing um, the way he he breaks it down in in the data, and you know this by the time you go through it and, and see that you know he was um, you know number one in missed tackles uh, forced per rushing attempt and number one in, in yards after contact per attempt amongst all running backs. I think I was probably one of these guys that you know before I read that article and considered some of these um, season-long or and even per-carry metrics, I kind of viewed Ajayi as like having these huge, huge weeks. And, you know, those were great in DFS, but I just didn't – I hadn't got to a point where I bought into him as a, a dynasty asset. He had the injury stigma coming with him um, when he, when he uh, entered the league. And, you know, he didn't have the best, I guess, draft pedigree in terms of, uh, you know, he wasn't a first or second round pick. So I just – it was never I was never in on him from his rookie season, but I, I think I'm getting there now. Uh, Gase is talking about a, a larger role, and you know, again, this goes into the the OTA news that do you buy it? But he did feed a guy last year, and so I think that we can look at last year as you know potentially um, in terms of volume and the opportunity that he has that really could serve as the baseline. It was the first year he was available all season, so I think it's reasonable to think he could build on it. I think that we just have to get. Uh, we just have to be a little cautious in terms of what we'll pay for him in terms of uh, dynasty value. I don't know that for me he's a, a top 20 player, and I think that he's borderline there in, in startup ADP right now. I think there's um, some, you know, especially at the wide receiver position, guy that I would prefer to own um, at that type of draft capital. So where I own a Jai, I think now is a great sell window. If I'm a win-now team, probably not going to prime away from me. And, you know, he's a guy that's probably everyone's loaded him into their trade bait uh, in, in almost every league because there has been so much buzz. So I, I guess long story short, I'm buying into Ajayi, um, and it, it's not really because of any revelation I've had. It's, it's more been based off of the work of others. Yeah, and he's a player that uh, when this time last year, I picked him up in a few leagues uh, when Foster, Arian Foster, was uh, in Miami, and obviously there was concern still about his knee. Uh, a few uh, dynasty startups I did, I think I picked him up around the 10th or 11th round, and uh, you know I've moved him on in most of the leagues I have, just because, I, I, as I mentioned on the podcast multiple times, I don't put a lot of long-term value uh, into the, the running back position, and 
you know, listening to some other shows this past week, uh, I think it might have been uh, Josh Hermsmeyer on one of the Rotoviz podcasts this week, one of the pieces he's working on regarding, you know, the long-term kind of fragility and dynasty off uh, the running back uh, position. Forgive me if it wasn't Josh that uh, was talking about it, but he was talking about, you know, from year to year and two or three year span, sometimes uh, if you invest in the running back position, it, it tends to just kind of take a nosedive. In three year spans, he was looking at it, and there was players, you know, that had first second round value in startups at this point and then two years down the round year were pretty much you know worthless and uh, that doesn't tend to happen a huge amount with the wide receiver position so I tend to try and move them on fit it and maybe get another running back of a little bit less of a caliber and then uh, maybe a pick and a, a wide receiver to go along with it and I just would I don't have it in front of me now what I moved them on for but that was the way I tended to look at it and you know, you mentioned if, if you're going in the second round now with a, a Jay or the third round, uh, he's not somebody that I'd be targeting at that point because I'd be putting more of a long-term investment into the wide receiver position. Uh, Doug, what's your thoughts on a Jay? I, I think he is. Uh, and uh, to answer the question I asked, I am buying the hype. I think he's going to have quite a big season. He's just not somebody in uh, dynasty that's going to be on any of my rosters. Yeah, I, I think. In, in regards to dynasty, it's a lot harder to gauge his value. Um, you know, I, I'm certainly buying into the hype for him, at least through 2017, um, for, you know, redraft. I know that's not necessarily what we're talking about, but in regards to, to, to redraft value, I think he's a top five running back. I think that you could make an argument that behind David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell, uh, Ezekiel Elliott, um, you know, maybe one other guy that I'm not thinking of. I think that Jaya, in regards to what he can do, considering what he did last year and and just how much the Dolphins seem to be willing to give him that chance. I mean, granted, they didn't even add any running back talent. Um, you know, their their next best running back is is a is a third down guy, I believe, in Damian Williams. Yeah, the Williams and Drake. And Kenyon Drake, thank you, who, again, is more of a special teamer, um, change of pace guy who hasn't really shown much. Um, you know, and, and they only got better at offensive line, um, even though they traded away Brandon Albert. Um, I think that, you know, they, they drafted, I think it's Isaac Siamulo, I want to say. I believe he he was drafted by them as a guard. Um in the third round. So I'm buying into the hype just because I think that, you know, what he did last year, what the dolphins did in regards to their running back depth, which is little to nothing. And the fact that, and again, this goes back to earlier. I've seen so many fluff pieces about him, but it (laughs) seems to be this huge consensus by every single beat writer in that area. It's not one guy. It's not, it's not the Manesh metas of the world saying suck for Sam for the jets. It's, it's every single beat reporter or beat writer for the dolphins all in consensus that he's going to have, or he, he could be on path to an even better season than he did last, which, you know, I, I think that when you look at when he really took over the role last year and granted year to year, everything's different. Um, I think when you took, when he took over that role as that lead guy for them, um, he was one of the best there was that that you know during that span from then to the to the end of the season. So I'm certainly buying the hype in Dynasty. I'm with UCOM. 
I try not to invest anything heavy in, in running backs. If you look at my dynasty teams, I'm very, I, I have a lot of depth at wide receiver more so because I believe in wide receivers more than running backs. I try to get guys that maybe will give me two or three good years. Um, and I don't pay top dollar for them. So in regards to dynasty, it's hard for me personally to gauge running backs. Uh, Ajayi, I would say is probably one of the safer ones. Um, but again, everything can change. The narrative can change because this time last year we had no hope for him and look what he did in a year. So it's hard to gauge them year by year, but I think, and at least for redraft, I'm buying at the right price, which I think, you know, late first, I would definitely buy him there. Yeah, I think what you said about, you know, when you're naming out the players, uh, Curtis, I would probably have him in that kind of four to six range of uh, running backs at the moment. Would you have him in that same range once you get kind of past uh, the top three? Yeah, I think he's in a tier probably with Melvin Gordon and um, Shady McCoy. I yeah. think those those three are kind of the next uh, – the next three bell cows, uh, if you will, after the consensus top trio. Yeah, I would, I would feel the same way. Uh, next up uh, is I'm going to ask you uh, if you have any uh, ADPs, uh, average draft positions that have surprised you over the last kind of month or two, um, you know, with Dynasty in particular rather than redraft. Is there any guys that you think are going much too high or much too low? Yeah, the, the guy that has just skyrocketed in the last month is Chris Conley yeah, well, in, uh, in Kansas City. So I know we're talking could, in it. You could probably say that's the last two weeks <laughs> since Macklin's moved yeah, on. Yeah, I mean, yeah, with um, with Macklin moving on, I mean, Conley rose 90 spots uh, in, in a month. That's quick. Um, basically from undrafted, you know, waiver wire fodder in, in many leagues to, you know, now it's like a 13th round startup pick. So there's a lot of speculative uh, – speculative buyers on Conley already and you know I don't know it seems like you know Macklin leaves and we want to elevate Tyree Kill to the wide receiver one so that would make Conley the wide receiver two and then here the third option in that offense right I mean Travis Kelsey didn't die I don't think he's still still going to be the man so so how are we paying yeah yeah exactly how are we how are we paying a 13th round startup pick for for Chris Conley on on basically zero body of work um and Alex Smith is still at the helm to me that's just it's much too pricey I understand why he bounced um but that's just that's a little out of control for me yeah, no, I agree. And Conley, there's never been a doubt about, about his athletic ability. Um, any other rosters I have him on have either been through uh, picking up with a waiver wire in recent weeks or else uh, through drafting him. Uh, I think he came out, uh, two, this will be him heading into his third year. So we'll uh, we'll see how he does. But that is a, a huge, huge increase. And, you know, sometimes when you, if you have a, a couple of people doing startups and they just buy into that hype or buy into that opportunity, uh, that there is a huge, huge jump, and that can happen very, very quickly. Uh, just before we finish up, Curtis, uh, obviously I mentioned that you're doing work now with Pro Football Focus. Uh, you've done a debut piece this week looking at five mid-round picks, uh, you know, who could have a huge fantasy value, potential league winners in the lower slots. And one of the ones that uh, I, I've noticed that's been p- building up a lot of steam over the last couple of weeks, and uh, I think he's going to keep rising up there, and that's Kyle Rudolph, obviously, had a huge workload last year that people aren't really talking about he definitely had a connection with Sam Bradford pretty quickly in that offense um, you know is there any other pieces do you want to talk about, about Bra- or Rudolph or do you want to mention any other guys that uh, popped up in that piece 
Well, I'll just briefly touch on Rudolph. I mean, the the I guess the the short story here is he was a tight end two last year. I know last year was a down year for tight ends, but he yeah. was the tight end two overall in PPR, and he's tight end nine right now. Yeah. I mean, that's that doesn't take a, a genius to spot that equity. Um, <laughs> I I don't know that he deserves to be drafted at tight end two. Um, but certainly, you know, he led the league in tight end targets. I mean, that's that's something real. That's a real opportunity. He found his rhythm in the red zone, and, you know, this will be the second season um, with Bradford. You know, the second year in an offense um, can be, uh, you know, positive indicator for, for people, same, uh, same coordinator from the end of last year and same quarterback. So I'm buying Rudolph. Um, he's one of my biggest targets right now. And uh, another guy... That, that I mentioned um, was it was Kenny Britt. I mentioned him earlier um, in, in the opening of the show here, but you know he he's stepping in essentially to the Terrell Pryor role from last year. And you know TP was a I think he was around PPR wide receiver twenty or something like that it was last a, year. It was a wide receiver um, too, yeah. Yeah, and you know um, Britt. I mean, he had what Kate Keenum and Jared Goff last year. He actually gets better. It's crazy, but he gets better quarterback play in Cleveland this season. So, um, you know, if, if if you, I know, isn't that isn't that crazy? You know, but he put up over a thousand yards. You know, with that, sorry excuse for a Rams offense last year. You know, I really think that he could even improve on his numbers from last year. Um, so, you know, for, for redraft, I think he, he's really a screaming value. Um, he's wide receiver 52 in terms of ADP right now. Um, 120 overall. So going at the very end of the 10th round. And, you know, I, I really think he's, he's probably, a you know, a low end wide receiver too, um, pretty safely, uh, you know, if he were to escape injury. So Britt's definitely a value, you know, one of those guys that if, really could end up being your wide receiver three and you're, you're paying wide receiver six price for him right now yeah and i was on brit very very early in the offseason prior to him landing with the browns you know i picked up in a lot of leagues and dynasty got a good few different trade uh, trades in for him and uh, obviously i didn't want him to land with the browns but uh, i think it could still work out well for him getting you know a, a nice uh, volume of targets and hopefully uh, you know it's hard to be any worse than the quarterback situation was last year with the Rams. We'll see how he does there. And I agree with everything you said about Kyle Rudolph. If you look at, you know, after, kind of when we talked with the running backs, when you look at the, the top end of uh, the tight end position and then you get down to the kind of four to seven range, there's uh, quite a, like, probably from probably from the fourth uh, tight end all the way down to maybe the 12th tight end is hard to decipher. And I think uh, Kyle Rudolph with the opportunity that he's going to get this year based on target volume. And he's always looked to in the red zone as well. I think it's a, a very smart choice there. And uh, you also uh, teased us a bit with a wide receiver uh, production rankings that you were talking about doing, uh, you know, with the Dino rankings machine uh, probably about a month ago back. Uh, is there any more that we can expect uh, coming out with that in the, the coming weeks or uh, the coming month? We're talking about uh, my work for uh, Dynasty League football, yeah. and we're, we're talking about the uh, yeah Dynasty machine values. So um, I did release um, the, the production values, and, and I've written those up. And we are actually, I don't think I'll get in trouble for saying this, but <laughs> we're actually uh, nearing the end of d- development for tools that you'll be able to actually go in. And not only will you see the entire uh, machine value model with all of the other metrics um, that, that kind of go into this player valuation um subscribers will actually be able to go in and um, potentially manipulate those values and uh, um, compare them um, with some other tools that DLF is working on. So it's going to be a really exciting summer um, for that entire project to 
uh, make it to the site and, and, and be out there and available for everyone. I think it's going to be pretty unique. So um, once it's out, we'll have to talk about that one again in the future. Yeah, DLF has really uh, ramped up on kind of the different tools that it has, uh, you know, if you join the site. It wasn't something that was a huge part of it maybe two, three years ago, but they've some great, great uh, different stuff there in regards to trades and getting different uh, production models going there. So definitely recommend uh, DynastyLeagueFootball.com. Obviously, uh, Curtis, you're on Twitter at Dynasty Command, and then obviously ProFootballFocus.com. As I mentioned, there DLF as well, and you're doing uh, a couple of podcasts as well. You're doing the Player Raider podcast with Ryan McDowell. Uh, do you want to mention more about it or do you, anything else that I've I've missed out on that you want to give a, a quick shout to as we uh, wrap up? No, I think I think you covered it. I will um, quickly plug um, the the new pod uh, there though. Um, that's called the the Player Raider podcast. Yeah. We've only uh, released two episodes so far, um, so it's kind of in its infancy. But you know, I, I'm sure all of your listeners are, are aware of who Ryan is, and if they're not aware of who I am, you know, maybe <laughs> they will be after this interview. Um, so a- anyway, you know, Ryan and I really um, are taking each episode as an opportunity to kind of teach people how to use how we use some of the tools available at DLF. A lot of um, player versus player comparison type discussion. Um, and and roster construction um, discussion. So I think it's it's one of those we, we're kind of aiming for it to be a practical application pod, uh, maybe less of a conversation piece and more of a oh hey you know well now I know what to do with three guys after listening. So um, g- give uh, give the pod a follow. It's at Player Raider Pod, and our next episode will be out um, sometime in the next week or two. So be looking for that. Yeah, and I, I always l- love listening to anything Ryan has to say, and uh, I always love reading your stuff. So getting both of these on the one podcast uh, is something that I'm looking forward to listening to all summer long. So uh, it's been a pleasure, as always, Curtis, and uh, look forward to doing it again maybe later in the off season. But thanks, as always, for jumping aboard the podcast. Hey, thanks, Calm. Thanks, Doug. So that was uh, Curtis Patrick. I said there his Twitter handle is at Dynasty Command. If you're a, if you're a Dynasty enthusiast like myself, like Doug, make sure you're following him on there. Great information being uh, fired out each and every weekend. The the Player Raider Pod with Ryan McDowell as well is uh, well worth a listen. Do check that out. Um, Doug, obviously we went through a couple of different pieces of kind of strategy and news there from a Dynasty view. Was there anything that you wanted to add to that, or uh, are we ready to go on to uh, the rest of the topics we have uh, for the rest of the show? Yeah, I, I just think that dynasty is so hard to do right now in regards to. It is really a dead time for the NFL and for dynasty. You know, and there, and I mentioned this when, when we had Curtis on. You know, the thing for me is, I, you know, there are going to be those guys that you're going to be higher on than some, and and you know, those are the guys that you would stick to. I wouldn't really base anything off of you know value wise, or this person could be for a good season if you're you're seeing. You know, a fluff piece. And granted, I did mention Jay Ajayi. Yeah. Um, and, you know, but the, the thing with that is he had body of work to go off of as opposed to a guy like uh, Monte Ball 
or a guy like oh god I can't even think of his name Bishop Sankey <laughs> where you know they, they were just they were thrown into those roles like even Christine Matt Michael. Jones <laughs> and Matt Jones but that could be the last that, what about, that role that could be the last <laughs> Matt Jones mentioned on the podcast because uh, I don't I don't see uh, what he's going to be doing this year I'm going to mention him just for the sake of mentioning him <laughs> um just so people understand um but no, just I mean, it's hard to to really base off how someone's going to do when you know you look at you know what it could be in June as opposed to in August and actually seeing them play. So I, I would say that just buyer beware at least based off of these these fluff pieces and who's in the greatest shape of their life and who came in you know understanding everything and they have a new I don't know a new mindset or they've they've come off really good and work out. So that that's just my my biggest thing, at least for for people, is is buyer beware on on, on you know guys that are being hyped up right now, at least. Yeah, and I do think I know we mentioned it a lot at the start of the segment with Curtis, but I do think if you're looking at uh, you know what to avoid at this time of the year, I definitely think that uh, we kind of nailed home that you need to try and decipher between what is uh, you know just fluff and what isn't, and a lot of the time, pretty much seventy five to eighty percent of the stuff you hear at this time of the year is. Uh, pretty much uh, going to be non uh, worth nothing once the season rolls around um, so the next thing we have up here Doug and we're talking last week I mentioned about it but we decided to go uh, a different direction at the end of the show but uh, I know Marshawn Lynch's ADP was something that you wanted to talk about uh, so I'll let you uh, have your rant on Marshawn Lynch's ADP and then after we're gonna we've got a question in from Luke O'Brien about uh, DeAndre Washington obviously a backup to Marshawn Lynch and uh, could he be a, vi- a viable dynasty running back so we'll do both those but I'll let you go first on uh, Marshawn Lynch yeah and, and you know this and again I, I've had this discussion at least in regards to I, I'm not going to sit here and say that because I don't like a player at the ADP I'm not saying that they can't produce in fantasy football I'm not, I, I want to I want to make that clear in regards to, you know, talking about Marshawn Lynch and why I don't agree with his ADP. Now, looking at the data just in general from Fantasy Pros, um, you know, looking at it in general, Marshawn Lynch's ADP, and granted that could change as we get closer to the regular season. Right now, Marshawn Lynch is drafted as a running back 10 on on consensus. Um which is low-end running back one in 12-team leagues, where you look at guys that are behind him, and granted, maybe these aren't guys that are surefire, I guess, players that could pass him, but I think that they provide the upside that, you know, people are hoping that Marshawn Lynch has. And you look at it, and, and Lamar Miller, Isaiah Crowell, Spencer Ware, you know, those are some of the guys that are, are currently their consensus ADP is behind Marshawn Lynch. And granted, I still think Marshawn Lynch is going to be a top 20 running back if everything goes according to plan in regards to 2017. But, and we'll talk about this later, you know, one of the biggest things about Marshawn Lynch is it's a big unknown. He took a year off in football. Granted, he's behind probably the best offensive line he's played in in some time with, with what the Raiders have. But he took a year off and he's 31 years old. Yeah. Running backs are supposed to start declining at that age. And we sort of saw that a little bit in 2015 when he only had 3.8 yards per carry and only played in seven games 
and only had 400, 400 plus yards rushing, which doesn't equate to much. Um, you know, and then like, like we said, he retired and he wanted to come back and, you know, there, there's the arguments that, you know, Hey, he could be in great shape again. You know, he had a year off to, to recover and he didn't take, you know, a lot of hits during last year. He's in a better offense, which all those things are true. But the other thing too, is time is the one thing that can't be denied. And you look at Tom Brady, unless you're Tom Brady, of course, he's 31 years old, which running backs are usually not supposed to produce that, you know, at that level. He's not Frank Gore, who (laughs) for some reason, somehow is able to continue to defy odds. But you look at his stats and, and granted, you know, prior to, you know, 2015, he had four straight seasons of at least 1200 yards and all four of those seasons, he actually had more than uh, double-digit uh, rushing touchdowns in each of those uh, four seasons. So there's no denying that he he is quite something. He, he did. But then you also look at his receiving numbers. And, you know, besides, you know, 2014-2013, where he had 30-plus receptions over 300 yards, um, you know, last in his last season with the, the Seahawks, he had 80 yards um, in seven games with no touchdowns, only 13 receptions. And, you know, he, he's never had more in his career. He's only had three seasons of more than 30 receptions, which, again, I don't think he's relied on much to be a receiver to provide much value on third downs. So that's another gripe I have, at least with his ADP right now. And and, and the other thing, too, is how much of a role is he going to have? I don't think he's going to be that you know, that feature back that he's going to be some sort of workhorse again, like nothing ever changed because, and that's partially because of what we'll talk about DeAndre Washington and um, the other, the other running back. I can't remember. I I think his name is hard to pronounce like uh, Janice or Jamise um, uh, Ozawale or or something like that. I I do apologize if he's listening, which I'm sure he is. Um, You know, there are guys there that have shown well in small sample sizes. So I think that's the other thing, too, is I don't think Marshawn Lynch is going to get a full body of work. I think he could hit 200 rushing attempts, but that's not to say that with those 200 uh, you know, rushing attempts, he's going to get five yards of carry or his, his you know, 4.7 or 5.0 that we've seen out of him. You know, I, you know, in those four years I talked about, the lowest he had was 285 or two, I'm sorry, 280 rushing attempts. So obviously if he had a 200 rushing yard, uh, 200 rushing attempts, it's going to, it's going to decrease in regards to what he can do. I, I think he could be a borderline thousand yard, uh, you know, uh, rusher this season. Um, that's assuming he stays healthy and he actually has somewhat of a decent role, but you know, look at you know, what Latavius Murray did. You know, he was that feature back for them in a way. And he sort of floundered. And, you know, while he did find the end zone quite a bit, he wasn't really known as a consistent fantasy guy. And I think Marshawn Lynch is much more talented than him. But if he still is now, I don't know. Because, again, he took a year off from football. He's over 30 years old. He's 31 years old now. And I'm just concerned that people are hoping that he's going to go back into the Marshawn Lynch of old. And I just don't see that at least from what we've seen right now, which is very, very little, if anything at all. So that's that's um, that's what grinds my gears 
um, is is uh, Marshawn Lynch's ADP right now for redraft going into uh, the 2017 season. Yeah, I pretty much have to agree with what you said there, Doug. Um, you obviously mentioned, you know, if you're looking at the pros uh, and cons of it, he, he took a year off, so he should be healthier. Uh, the pros as well, he's behind that offensive line, which obviously bumps things up a huge amount for him. Uh, one of the best uh, offensive lines in the league, in my opinion. Uh, you know, but the, the negatives are all there. He's over... Um, you know, he's over the 30-year-old mark. He's going to have that issue. He's missed last year. What does that mean? And then the biggest downfall for him is that he's uh, going in here at running back 10 overall, which I think that's his ceiling. You know, if you factor in that he gets eight rushing touchdowns and I would say maybe 800 yards, you're looking at him falling into that, uh, you know, 10 overall range when the season ends rather than getting up. It's going to be hard for him to beat his ADP is what I'm kind of trying to say. I think that he'll probably fall below that mark and i'm trying to get guys that are going to to beat that adp and uh, just in this case i'll not be going and on marshawn lynch i'm also concerned about the possibility that the raiders have taken him in on a two-year contract but i think they're going to be looking at you know last year they got well they didn't get to where they wanted to go because of the Derek Carr injury but they they were getting towards you know getting a deep playoff run we'll see this year obviously if Carr stays healthy the whole year I think that there's pretty much where they want to go again but they're not just concerned about getting to the playoffs and obviously last year they lost to the Houston Texans they're on a want to get to the playoffs get to the AFC championship and beat whether it's the Broncos whether it's the Patriots they want to get to the Super Bowl and win it so I think there's a possibility too the Marshawn Lynch is saved a little bit as the season goes on and trying to get the, the value out of him in the playoffs where he has that experience uh, previously with the Seahawks so th- that's another concern that I have with him so we'll see what happens there the other concern is that if he does start off and get that workhorse role uh, at the start of the season we could see something similar to what Matt Forte had last year where he was the workhorse for the Jets and he was having a very very solid start to the year but then obviously uh, hit that wall and his body started to break down him so we'll see how it goes but coming off the year off and with the the cons there that I mentioned versus the pros uh, I would not be uh, going in on him at that uh, 10th overall pick at the running back position and when you're looking as well just uh you know with we talked there about the buzz and the nostalgia and things like that there when it comes to the the start of the season this might even pump up a little bit more if he starts to look good uh, once they get pads on in training camp so we'll see what happens there but uh once again doug i'm gonna have to agree with you uh, on on your point off the week this week and um with that we pretty much have everything uh, wrapped up um obviously doug's on twitter at d nfl i'm on twitter at overtime ireland Make sure, as I mentioned earlier, that you're subscribed to the podcast and uh, that you're getting it each and every week once it goes live, whether it's iTunes, Stitcher, whatever way you listen to it. And uh, we, we've battled through, Doug. We've got to the end of the show as uh, as I feel uh, I'm about to just fall over and fall asleep. But luckily for me, I have to uh, edit the podcast and post it online. And uh, hopefully, <laughs> and, uh, hopefully uh, all the listeners will uh, enjoy it as they get it nice and late here. Uh, in Ireland on a Wednesday night, probably be getting it around 12 uh, a.m. and uh, you'll be getting it stateside as well around the, the 7 p.m. mark. But uh, Doug, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, thanks as always for joining me on the podcast, and uh, make sure you're following both of us on Twitter. And until next week, when we'll be back yet again, have a good one. Thank you for listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Check out OvertimeIreland.com and continue to spread the word. This has been an Overtime Ireland production.